Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Ty Power's Big Footy Final Sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy Final Sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Joining us on the panel today, Sackerman. Sam Ackerman, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. That's the story. And David Long from stuff.co.nz. How are you, David? Very good, thanks, Ricardo. Hi, Sam. Now, gentlemen, Mike Hessen uh, has written a story. Um, he believes that shifting Kane Williamson down the T20 batting order could be a game changer for him. Um, I don't know if that works for me. Kane takes too long to get going, so down the order when you've got less time, less balls left, doesn't make much sense to me. But Hessen probably knows a bit more about cricket than I do, Sam. What do you make of this? Oh, I completely agree. Hesson knows a lot more about cricket than you do, Ricardo. Um, so we'll, we'll start with that as an underlined fact. Uh, and look, the fact of the matter is, I, what I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised it doesn't happen more in cricket, to be perfectly honest, is I think uh, that in a, in a game like T20, it should be a horses for courses approach. If if the, if the flow's going nicely, or uh, there's a ch- depending on who goes out from the uh, Allen and Conway combo, I like the idea of saying, do you know what? Actually, we we want we don't want to have Devon and um, and Kane in the early um, trying to plod through. We still need someone to go for the jugular here. So let's get Glenn Phillips up there. Or let's do that. That's you know you, you think of the night watchman situation or a pinch hitter when it's needed. There needs to be more movement. And yes, Kane Williamson um, demands uh, respect for who he is, what he's done, and everything. We can't deny that his form hasn't been uh, you know short of what his best can be. We saw a decent knock. Uh, in uh, in the recent T20s with India, but he, he's a guy who needs to be given the right opportunity. I like the idea of Kane Williamson being there at the end of a run chase. He's cool, he's composed, and get things uh, and can get things done. We've seen him do it nicely uh, in the 50 over game. So I'm I'm not opposed to it. No, and you're right, he does take a while to warm up. But in that context, he's, it's a bit you know only can grow as big as your fishbowl. If he's got if he doesn't have much time, he's not going to suddenly start uh, leaving balls outside off and, and plotting singles. If he needs to push and he will. He's a quality of cricketer that we really see anywhere in the world, let alone this country. So um, finding a way to make him more useful is a good idea. Yeah, all right. Uh, what about you, David? I mean, one of the reasons that I didn't think it would work was, I'm trying to remember the game here, I think it might have been the Pakistan semi-final um, in the latest T20 World Cup, is we had 35 dot balls in that game and 14 of them were eaten up by Kane uh, getting going. What do, you, what do you make of what Hessen said? Yeah, well, I sort of understand where he's coming from. And I think if it was a 50-over game, you can certainly uh, buy into that because when you you know you want to score a lot of runs early on and then, and then establish some innings uh, some run, and, and then, you know, a big run chase towards the end. But in 20-over 20, game, you've got, to go, you've got to go out right from the beginning, really. And the way Kane's batting, um, as you mentioned, it's, it's not good enough to, to be 
to rebuild the back caps, and they're always struggling in one chases or, or getting runs on the board because Kane is taking too long to get going. I mean, yeah, I know he's been he's been fantastic and he's one of New Zealand's greatest ever cricketers, but um, I, I don't think you can pick him in, in the tw- in the T20 team at the moment until he needs to prove himself or whatever form of cricket 2020 cricket he's going to be playing. I don't know he's going to get an IPL contract and he's been dumped from that team. But until he does prove himself that he can score runs quickly again, I, I, I don't think he's going to be playing for the back caps in the T20s. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, a certainly split uh, opinion, particularly with uh, uh, the treatment of of Martin Gupta lad Mark O'Donnell on uh, the former uh, Auckland Aces coach. He's coached Jamaica in the uh, CPL as well, Sam. And uh, you know he suggested that potentially, um, you know Martin Gupta could have been the answer because he's a guy with the experience he's got that he can play the 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 glue role or he can play the hitting role. And maybe it should have been him, uh, should have been Kane rather than him uh, that was let go out of the T20 side. Yeah, just it's important to take a step back here and and understand who Kane Williamson is and what he is to uh, this team across the formats. To drop Kane Williamson, the captain and the man considered by a lot of good judges one of, if not the best, uh, batsmen this country's produced. To drop him uh, from the not just the captaincy but the team altogether. What does that mean for the rest uh, of the teams? It's it's slightly destabilising. Um, I I think uh, I don't think it's the move to make. I think what has to happen is Kane Williamson needs to decide whether he wants to play uh, in there. I, I, I don't believe in dropping Kane Williamson because you need to retain a little bit of experience. You need to retain a little bit of class. You can't pick a team like the Black Caps purely on oh well they've got a bit of form under their belt right now. Not purely. It's, it sounds unusual because form should be the overriding factor but you can't get rid of all the experience. You can't lose the Trent Bolts. You can't lose the, the Martin Guptills and that top water becomes uh, really uh, you know exposed and uh, once they need to find those tools to dig deep. The reason these players like the Williamsons, the Guptills, have been successful is because they've gone through those lean black caps times as well. And the reason that these players coming through have done well is they've been supported by an extremely talented and uh, experienced core of players and batsmen around them. So there has to be a, a, a middle ground there. But I agree with what David says. On form, very hard to pick him. But I also, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that Kane Williamson's in a few more reps than that. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's talk supercars, David. I know this is right up your alley. You're at Bathurst again this year. Uh, New Zealand nowhere on the 2023 calendar. Is 2024 realistic, given that when we lost Pookie, they said it wasn't going to be an issue? Well, supercars are saying that they're very hopeful of getting something sorted for 2024. Um, there's not going to be a um, a racetrack that ticks every box that's going to miraculously appear somewhere in New Zealand between uh, over the next 12 months. So the issue is still going to be there. Hampton Downs has obviously been talked about as the, the most likely option, but there are significant issues with, with Hampton Downs given its small size, um, the lack of facilities and the proximity to the Auckland Motorway, which, sorry, the State Highway 1, which is grind to a halt um, for the three days of, of the supercars there. So I, I don't, I, you know, there's talk um, about other, other tracks as well. It's interesting that Auckland Unlimited and their statement about it, they said, we'd like to see it back inside um, Auckland. Um, which the only sort of conclusion you can, can get from that is that it's possibility of a street race through mm. Auckland, um, which has been sort of looked at before and then passed over as being too expensive or, or too, too much of a headache to put together. Whether that's the option, I mean, Auckland Street Race, you know, does satisfy a lot of the needs in terms of having it in the, the, inside the biggest population and, and the infrastructure that is here. 
but obviously street races aren't cheap and takes a takes a lot of time to get organised. I, I, I really don't know what the solution is or, or where it might go, but I do worry, you know, what the future is for, for supercars in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, um, you know, I know what you're talking about there with uh, with Auckland Unlimited. Um, you know, sort of, it needs to be within Auckland boundaries, is is what they're saying for them to invest in it. But Sam, I mean, if they're going to be racing at Hampton Downs, it's kind of halfway between Hamilton and Auckland. Surely, most of the supercars teams are going to be based in Auckland anyway, so there's still going to be financial gain for Auckland. Uh, yes, there is, um, and uh, they will have. You know, Hampton Downs is you know, anyone who's been there knows it's a great spot to watch motor racing. They've got uh, a decent setup um, there, and you know I don't think that it's a, a lay down reserve that they're ca- capable of handling everything that the supercars circus brings um, brings with it. But uh, you, you can't blame Auckland Unlimited from saying if we're going to fund it uh, or we're going to support it, rather we want it to be in somewhere that uh, it can can pay off for us. Maybe it's a joint deal with uh, with with Hamilton Council, but you know it's hard enough to get one council to sign off on something, let alone two. So let's not um, get ahead of ourselves. And street race, I, I I had to put the phone away from my mouth as I laughed out loud when Dave said the word street race because those of us who who lived through the experience of the last, hey, how about a street race and the amount of red tape? I, I think they imported red tape from overseas because they ran out of how much red tape they had uh, to drown that thing in in Auckland. It was uh, it was one of the the great debacles, and it, much like a a waterfront stadium, you know, great idea until until somebody weighs in and uh, and anchors the bad boy down. A street race in Auckland would be fantastic. I mean, it's not like anything else happens down in that downtown area most of the time, anyway. So let's let's make it happen. Fantastic. It oh, won't, mate. but it would be fantastic. We'll just do the street race in Papamoa. Perfect. Down your end, uh, Sam. You can, you, right, so you can host got, it. We've got plenty of space. We've got plenty of space. Bring it to the bay. There's, there's, there's no no dramas there. I mean, it's, I hope you'll like really uh, thin roads and potholes. But besides that, we've got you covered. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Sounds like the rest of New Zealand. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Stuffed David Long and Sam Ackerman with us on the panel. Uh, gentlemen, the FIFA World Cup has been going on, and as you can both imagine, it's uh, taken up a lot of my time. Uh, interesting that this morning, Briel Mbolo, the Switzerland striker, was born in Cameroon, played against him today, uh, and scored against him in a 1-0 win for the Swiss. He's then apologised. He, he, didn't, he didn't celebrate, and then refused... Uh, uh, sorry, he refused to celebrate and then apologised for scoring against them. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, I, I'd imagine, David. I, I, I can't imagine that uh, you'd do the same though. If uh, you know, if you scored against the Welsh for New Zealand, would you be doing the same? <laughs> I mean, it was it was quite trendy, wasn't it, in the, in the English football a few years ago that you didn't celebrate when you scored a goal against your old old club. But that seems to have gone a bit now. I think in recent years. But uh, you know, I'd, I'd be uh, disappointed if if. Um, if I if I supporter of the team he's playing for and, and it happened, you, you know, who who's he supporting? You're playing for the, the team you're wearing the shirt for. And um, if you don't want to score, if you didn't want to score against the, your your nation you were born in, then don't play in that game. It just seems pretty crazy to me. Yeah, it does. Uh, I don't know about you, Sam. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Maybe Tony Carroll. I mean, Tony Carroll played for the Kangaroos, then the Kiwis, then went back to the Kangaroos. What what would he do? 
they just smash anyone, including referees, that got in his way. I don't think <laughs> he didn't have. But listen, listen, Dave, David, he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't not want to score the goal. He just didn't want to rub it in the nose of somebody. It's called, it's called being a class act. And I, I listen, I know people who follow football don't see that very often. But it's, you know, it's when you are just a, a good human being and you don't feel the nose, uh, the need to rub every one of your successes in someone else's face. Sometimes you just take a humble road. But, but Ricardo, I don't know about you, mate. I'm world cupped out. You know, we had the cricket, T20. We had uh, the two league World Cups, the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup. I'm, I'm kind of done. I might sit this one out, actually. You know, let's, the football World Cup. You know, New Zealand's not even in it. I mean, who cares? Well, well, that's a, that's a, that's a hard take, Sam, because for me, this is the World Cup. Everything else is secondary. Um, really, I mean, football did it first. What a, what a surprise, Ricardo! And I, 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 I definitely wasn't throwing a bit of bait out there for you at all, mate. Jeez. No, Listen, not, not at all, been, Sam. It's been, it's been, it's, I, I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, I'm surprised, should I say, by the headlines. I think this is uh, created with this, you know, the apologising for scoring. I don't think he was like on his, you know, on his knees crying, begging forgiveness. He was just saying, I didn't. He didn't want to inflict. He's, he's got pride in two nationalities. He didn't want to affect anything that hurt on others. And given um, the hardline hard stances on so many things with this World Cup, and sport fans have got a lot to enjoy, and those who like to um, to delve into the politics of the world have even more to tuck into with this World Cup. So uh, I'm, I'm all for class acts. So like, like the Japanese, after uh, winning their, um, their incredible match <laughs> victory against, uh, against Germany, Cleaning up now. I've done it, I know they've done it before, but it's such a great thing. They tidy up their own dressing rooms, make origami paper cranes, and leave a thank you note. Now, class acts. Those are cool stories to hear out of this. Yeah, they are. You're right, and they, you know, there's there's no end, uh, David. Obviously, of um, you know, political statements and 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 things around this World Cup, given where it is and who is hosting it, and and all of the background to that. One of the ones that uh, has interested me is the criticism that David Beckham has come in for. He's an ambassador for Qatar for this World Cup. Um, he took 10 million US to be an ambassador. He's filmed a whole bunch of uh, little videos and, and, and things. And Joe Lysett, who's an English comedian, has uh, taken um, exception to this because obviously of the LGBT community and the way that uh, the Qatari laws are around that. Um, he said that uh, David Beckham was, um, you know, really a gay icon. He was the first straight man to be on a lot of the gay cover covers of gay magazines. Um, he said he did the, the most gay thing possible in marrying a Spice Girl, and he's always been uh, one of those that's that's seemed to have been open and supportive of that community. Um, he basically got £10,000, filmed himself and said, if you uh, have you have a week, David, to, to use that £10 million to do something good for the LBGT community or to come out and criticise Qatar for the way that they uh, they they persecute people um, in this, otherwise I'm going to shred this £10,000 along with any credibility you have. Um, what did you make of that and, and David Beckham's resulting silence? Well, it was, it was a great publicity stunt from Joe Lysett. He did admit afterwards that he might have been ten thousand pounds that looked like it was going in the shredder, but it was fake money that was coming out of it, and he donated that money to, to charities for um, to support of the uh, LGBT communities. Um, but I think it's, uh, it, you know, he did highlight the hypocrisy of, of what David Beckham's doing, um, and then videos that he's doing now, you know, promoting Qatar and saying, saying what a great place it is, and that things can change um, because of the World Cup. Well, you know, he's only doing this because he's he's getting his back pocket filled by by saying this sort of stuff. 
Uh, I think if you look at David Beckham, you know, a few months ago in Eng- in Britain, he was being held and his reputation went through the roof because he joined the queue to to um, to see the um, the Queen's coffin rather than push to the front using his status. But I think it, people have lost a, a lot of respect for him um, because he's doing this. And another thing you hear in a lot lately, I guess you you know you listen to the podcast or read about it as well, Ricardo, is that you know people are people are criticising journalists for saying how can you how can you have a go at the World Cup when you're going over there and you're on holiday and and you're um you know and you're just doing just the same as what David Beckham's doing. But there's a big difference between going to cover something as a journalist or reporter um to doing over there where you're just taking money um straight from the Qataris. This is what David Beckham's doing. Mm, yeah, he certainly opened himself up to a lot of criticism on that. All right, let's let's finish, gentlemen, with some oval ball and news. Uh, yesterday or the day before, that Carlos Spencer is back in the Blues as the backs coach for the Super Rugby Aupiki team. Uh, great to have the King back, as uh, the 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 PR st- uh, release uh, said. Sam, what do you make of the move for the from a Blues point of view? It's, I think everybody um, in New Zealand rugby or who supports rugby in New Zealand knows that Carlos Spencer at Auckland is a natural fit. It feels right. It, you know, when you hear he's coaching somebody else, it's one of those players who can go, it doesn't quite feel like he's in the right place. And, and, and him being back uh, with Auckland is great. And being part of uh, Alpaki is fantastic as well. Um, not that you know, these these women have, have shown over the past few months uh, how capable they are of, of doing their own thing. But get, they, you know, we should point out that they delved into a lot of great rugby experience. Um, some of that happened to be female. Some of it happened to be male um, to achieve that success. And what Carlos Spencer brings is a lot of rugby now experience and a, willing to, a willingness to try things. No one can ever accuse uh, Carlos Spencer of, of playing it safe through his um, his rugby career. So uh, having somebody like that who's prepared to you know give them a bit of license and the ability to show the natural skills that we all know uh, that women uh, women rugby players in this country have, uh, it's it's wonderful to see and a great association renewed. Yeah, it's good to see. And David, I guess the other thing, uh, I mean, Ruahi Demont uh, working with Carlos Spencer is that that makes me excited for the next Super Rugby Alpeki season from a Blues point of view. Um, and it's also going to, I would, I would imagine, give it a few more headlines and get a few more eyeballs on it with his involvement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it on the face value, it's fantastic for for the Blues team to have someone like Carlos working there. Um, I think we, you know, Carlos has sort of been involved in coaching teams in South Africa and. And in places uh, previously, and, and um, I think assistant uh, this sort of role it does seem to be more sort of suited to Carlos rather than I doesn't can't you ever see him being the head coach of a team. I don't think he's got that sort of um, um, you know personality or drive to sort of take that responsibility on. But in terms of like coaching and what he can bring to to players and team, I think it's fantastic. I mean the other sort of side of it is that um, you know and this is nothing against Carlos or or the blue, uh, Blues I guess in some way is that. You know, I would like to sort of see more women being coached in these super rugby African teams. We're still seeing it very much dominated by by men. Um, we'd like to get to a position where you know you could get a woman coaching a super rugby men's team, or it doesn't matter what sex you are. But um, uh, I guess it's, there's an issue. But you know, I would like to see more pathways or whatever to see women coaching at these Super Rugby teams. Mm, yeah, well, I think we've got two this year, which is uh, two more than we had last year because I don't think there were any female head coaches last year. But I, I think, um, you know, New Zealand rugby has made a move in that direction. They kind of had to because, in a way, David, it was they got made to look bad because then the Phoenix uh, announced their women's team and had, you know, an all-female coaching staff. 
you know, that's right. And you look at the NRLW as well, which is dominated by um, by men's coaches. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a missing piece for the jigsaw in terms of you know the, the, the rise of women's sport that we're seeing is that it's still it is still heavily dominated by by men. And you know, it's great, it's great that there was a couple of women this year, and uh, and we saw some women involved in the Black Ferns as well. This um, during this World Cup campaign, but um, you know, hopefully it continues in that direction. Yeah, and gentlemen, thanks very much for your time on the panel today. Really appreciate it. Go well and have great weekends. Thanks a lot. See you, mate. See you, Cheers. Regate. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.